1: Here's something we've seen happen a few times now during Trump's presidency. The president issues a policy by tweet or by executive order. It's challenged in the lower courts, then modified, then challenged some more, and eventually a version of that policy finds its way up to the Supreme Court. There, the court can determine the fate of a Trump policy and the fate of those Americans that policy will touch. And so, more than 30 days into a government shutdown over one policy proposal of Trump's, a border wall, the Supreme Court voted to allow a different Trump policy to move forward. The Supreme Court voted 5-4 to allow the Trump administration to proceed with putting in place broad restrictions on transgender people serving in the military. So how common is it for a president's policy to come down to a decision by the Supreme Court? Is that a healthy sign of our system working or a reflection of presidential overreach? And is the Supreme Court's Tuesday vote the end of this particular legal battle over transgender troops? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. I'm Allison Michaels. In June of 2017, President Trump sent an unexpected tweet.
0: Tweeting he will ban transgender people from serving in the military in any capacity.
1: President Trump, who had promised on the campaign trail that he would protect LGBTQ citizens, announced a major change in U.S. military policy. That announcement signaled a reversal of an Obama policy allowing transgender troops to serve openly.
0: There had been a decision made by the previous Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter, to revoke what had been a ban. So the moment was about to arrive when they would be admitted without reservation. And that had been discussed at the Pentagon and apparently at the White House. And Trump, in a series of tweets, basically reversed the decision.
1: Fred Barbash is a Washington Post reporter covering the Constitution and the courts. He explained the circumstances surrounding Trump's initial tweet about transgender troops.
0: At first, the Pentagon essentially paid no attention, saying that, you know, we don't take our orders in tweets. But finally, they did issue a proclamation, an order, a decision in conformance with what Trump wanted. And uh, that was the first version of the ban that was confronted by the courts.
1: What did that look like?
0: Well, lawsuits were brought by various – both members of the military and people who wished to serve in the military who were transgender in four different courts. And each of those judges over time – came down with the same ruling all of them involved what's called nationwide or universal injunctions one of which was overturned by an appeals court here in the district the others remained intact
1: so that meant that essentially this transgender ban was put on hold yes okay
0: by order of the courts.
1: Okay. So two of these injunctions, as we just talked about, came from two notably liberal states, Washington State and California. How had the administration generally reacted to, to that fact?
0: Well, they appealed. They didn't like the rulings, particularly because it, they focused on discrimination and because generally the courts have deferred to the military in particular. The military is considered constitutionally a province of the president. So I think they were a little shocked that the courts sort of dared to intervene in that kind of decision, but the courts responded that when it comes to a constitutional violation, That is their duty to be the guardrail against violations of the Constitution. They also said, and this is really important, that with all government decisions under our law, both statutes and case law, there has to be a good reason for the government to make a decision. It's not enough just to say, I feel like doing this, and the prior administration had done elaborate studies, years of studies showing, uh, and the RAND Corporation as well, showing that there would be no adverse effect of admitting transgender people to the military. There Might be some costs involved, but there would be no adverse effect. And the courts said, where are your studies that contradict this? Do you have some reason to question those studies? And they didn't. And that just isn't enough in today's climate for the courts.
1: Did the Constitution intend for these lower courts to be able to issue nationwide injunctions, or was that really reserved The Constitution to
0: doesn't say anything about lower courts. Constitution establishes a Supreme Court and says Congress may create such courts as inferior courts as it chooses. There's nothing in the Constitution— about the powers of the court in terms of overturning that 's all been developed in case law, starting with the famous case called Marbury against Madison, and over time, the powers of the originally exercised by the Supreme Court have been inherited, so to speak, by the lower courts. That's where all the cases start. That's where Brown against Board of Education started, Roe against Wade. They all started in the lower courts because they work their way up to the Supreme Court ultimately and they have the final word when they choose to exercise it.
1: Right. So normally, as you say, cases work their way up to the Supreme Court. In this case, the Trump administration last year asked the Supreme Court to bypass the usual legal process to make a decision on Trump's transgender ban. Did the Supreme Court comply? No. Uh,
0: The the cases have not been to the courts of appeals. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court likes to follow the rules. And the rules are that you go to the next highest court before you go to the Supreme Court, except in certain emergency situations. So the administration has tried with many cases to get the Supreme Court essentially to leapfrog over the courts of appeals. And for the most part, they've failed.
1: How unusual is that for a president or an administration to request? It, ha- it
0: happens usually when there's some pressing date, During the Iran hostage crisis, for example, there was a case that was expedited up to the Supreme Court and something that Jimmy Carter sanctions against Iran, seizure of of assets against Iran. And from time to time, the court will, when they feel they have a good reason, pick up something, particularly when there's some kind of looming deadline or some kind of sense of national. There's an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. The Bush against Gore, the election right. uh, case in 2000 was one of those moments.
1: But something like this particular transgender ban did not rise to that level for the Supreme they Court. They
0: didn't feel so. Okay. They didn't feel that way.
1: Now, this week, they did weigh in on this issue. What was their decision?
0: Their decision, The the Solicitor General, who represents the United States for the Supreme Court, asked the Supreme Court to do two things. One, to accept the case for review this term on its merits, that is to say, was this a good decision or a bad decision? And if not that, to invalidate the court orders by the district courts so that the Pentagon would not have to obey those rulings and could go about its business and implement its its so-called ban. The court did not agree to review the case on its merits, but did agree on a 5-4 vote with the traditional conservatives on one side, pro, and the traditional non-conservatives on the other side, con. They did agree to uh, vacate the orders of the lower courts. They gave no reason.
1: If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat. Available now. The Supreme Court decided to lift nationwide injunctions that were preventing Trump's policy from taking effect. But that's the legal piece of it. I asked Fred, now that those injunctions are lifted, what does it actually mean for transgender people hoping to serve in the military?
0: It means that technically we the Pentagon is back where it was before those rulings in the sense of having to actually obey them. There's no order in force. But my guess is that they're not going to throw anybody out of the military right now. And in fact, the ban has been modified over time. Like so many of the cases from the Trump administration, there's, there's version 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0. So it's quite complicated. Now in response to the courts, the Pentagon rewrote the version of the ban. Uh, And now argues that it is not a ban and it's not based on whether someone is transgender or not transgender. It's it's basically a medical decision about whether somebody has transitioned or not transitioned. So it's complicated and it will be interesting to see. Uh, if somebody now tests what the Pentagon is going to do, they had initially grandfathered, as it were, those who were already in the military, so they weren't going to be throwing people out under the modified uh, transgender ban.
1: So, is this the end of the legal process? No, you? this is
0: uh, this is a long way to go because it will now go to the courts of appeals. Who will rule on, again, review the lower courts, and depending on what they do, it will, I think, eventually wind up back at the Supreme Court, where it'll be a very, very big case.
1: Right. Now, how many times can they send it back to the lower courts?
0: The Supreme Court? Yes. Uh, as, lo- as often as they want. Supreme Court can do as they please. Often, what they do is say the lower courts did not consider factors X, Y, and Z. We hereby vacate the decision and remand for a redo. Or they could just say the lower court is flat wrong. There's no constitutional violation, no statutory violation. They should have deferred to the military and the president. And uh, those decisions are hereby vacated, meaning they don't exist. The administration was in a rush because the court has really filled up its docket for this term. So they'd have to wait probably a year and a half to two years before it would actually reach the Supreme Court.
1: So we could be looking at years of a cycle of going through whether or not this ban, if you will, gets put in place?
0: We will be. And in fact, conceivably, there might be a new president. And if that president happens to disagree with uh, Trump's position, why that president can undo what Trump did and reinstate the policy that Ash Carter under President Obama had implemented. Uh, the, what, this happens a lot. I mean this is one of the problems when things are done by the bureaucracy rather than by Congress. The next administration can come in and say, well, we don't like what they did. Shazam, it's gone. Whereas if it's an act of Congress, they can't do that. So this business of of essentially making pol- a serious The kind of thing that normally I think the framers of the Constitution expected Congress to do, Congress does have responsibility for the military after all. This business of it being done by executive order and proclamation and the regulatory process is very unstable. Who knows where we'll be when this finally reaches the Supreme Court.
1: So let's talk a little bit more broadly about Trump's relationship with the courts. Right. So – he's we've seen multiple limitations put on his power through these lower courts and then you know we've had certain things like the travel ban rise to the supreme court to have it upheld sure so what does trump see his relationship with the courts as successful
0: no they think they're under siege they've we're actually working on a piece now where we've actually counted the number of court rulings uh, that have resulted in injunctions against the administration. And we're at 60 and still counting. That is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. That is unprecedented. Government usually wins, not loses. The win rate is is in the 90 percent range, in part because they're good and in part because they are the government and in part because under most administrations, decisions are made in an orderly process. They Mm -hmm. dot the I's, cross the T's. Not always. Obama had his problems. Bush had his problems, but nothing like this.
1: The Trump administration then seems to be losing in the lower courts, but the Supreme Court is a place where they seem to be having more favorable results. Is it problematic that the Supreme Court is essentially making these implementation decisions about the president's policies when the president himself appointed two of the justices?
0: Well, it, it that's his good luck uh, from his standpoint, and but the other presidents have had the same Face the same situation either with a hostile court or a friendly court, so that's not new. But in terms of the system which allows the courts to check both the Congress and the executive, that's the foundation of our government. That the the both some of the worst decisions and some of the most celebrated decisions have come about that way, and. Uh, you know That's something to be celebrated even when you don't like the, the outcome. A lot of people were very upset by Bush against Gore where the Supreme Court essentially decided an election, but uh, nobody w- was going to disobey it. And that's extraordinary. That's what keeps our country from essentially collapsing is that ultimately people respect the system and even Trump – who is by any measure an unorthodox president has not suggested that he would disobey or or flout the, the Supreme Court. I've been around a while. And I've been through courts that are conservative and courts that are liberal. And whoever's on the losing end uh, thinks it's the end of the world. But things change. Justices change. Some of the people who were appointed by conservative presidents wound up being liberal. Harry Blackman was appointed by Richard Nixon and wrote the decision in Roe against Wade. William Brennan was appointed by Eisenhower, said it was the biggest mistake he ever made because he turned out to be a, a great leader of the liberal side of the court. So... And new presidents come along, and so do new justices. It's ever-changing. So there's a temporary majority often for one issue or the other, but it usually doesn't last very long. There's a lot of hand-wringing about it, but it's it goes in cycles.
1: And do you think the administration sees the Supreme Court as a refuge for some yes, of these policies? Yes, right
0: now they do, and to the extent that they've weighed in on these, uh, the only case has really been overturned was the travel ban case, mm-hmm. and it was overturned by the Supreme Court despite uh, four lower court rulings that went the other way. Now, mind you, what was overturned was the version three right. of the travel ban. So the the White House responded to those lower courts by by softening that executive order. So it's not like they didn't have an impact whether the Supreme Court would have approved the original executive order, nobody knows because it never got there.
1: Right. It's an interesting point that the court system is working to serve as a check on the president, even if it means just softening language.
0: Yes, it's it's subtle. It can be subtle. The same thing with the transgender ban, Mm -hmm. which was significantly modified as a result of the court rulings. And in fact, the Defense Department, the Justice Department came back to those courts and said, hey, look, we've got, it's different now. It's not Mm -hmm. what you, it's not what you first ruled on. Would you please reconsider? And they all basically said, go away. You know, it's essentially the same thing.
1: Right. All right. So then our last question for you, which this all can be summarized in our, can he do that fashion, which is, can Trump ban transgender people from serving in the military?
0: Right now, he can't really, because while there's no order in force, they essentially did away with that outright ban. It no longer exists. So my feeling is that he can't do it now. After the Supreme Court, if and when the Supreme Court weighs in, maybe he can, maybe he can't. I just don't know.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we'll find out maybe in a few years. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you liked it, please share it and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the splendid Carol Alderman with design help from Kat Rudell Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon.